0: You're listening to the Real Estate Runway podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton.
1: All right, Real Estate Runway listeners. Today, we have Dr. Vasu Kakalarpudi. He is a common acquaintance met through the master platinum coach, Trevor McGregor, who was back on episode five, I believe. But Dr. Vasu is a fantastic individual. He is a successful physician and entrepreneur. He is an experienced real estate investor, multifamily syndicator. And guys, the guy's a mindset genius. What I love about Dr. Vasu is he really has found joy in figuring out how to share what he's learned with others and bring them along for the ride. And, you know, I mean, different strokes for different folks, as you'll hear him say, We don't always all want to be super active in our investments. Sometimes people want to help him steer the wheel, and sometimes people want to ride in the front seat and ride in the back seat. There's nothing wrong with any of that. The biggest thing is having the knowledge and the aptitude to take your financial well-being into your own hands. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right, real estate runway listeners, it is time for another episode of the Real Estate Runway podcast. I'm your host Chad Sutton. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined today by Dr. Vasu Kakalarputi, who is a dear friend of a common acquaintance of ours, our coach Trevor McGregor. I love when people we we are learning from connect us to other like-minded individuals in the industry. Dr. Vasu Pudi is a successful physician entrepreneur. He's an experienced real estate investor and a multifamily syndicator. It's probably better to ask what this guy doesn't do than what he does. Dr. Kakulapudi, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Chad. Nice to be here. Yes, yes. Happy to have you here. And I believe you're actually located not far from me. Uh, you know, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I think you're up in central Central Kentucky somewhere. So we're two Southern gentlemen, I guess you will.
0: <laughs> yeah, they call Louisville, you know, the, the northernmost Southern city or the southernmost Midwestern city. So take your pick.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Vasu, what I'd love to do is to kind of tell the audience where you've been, what you've done, you know, how you've gotten to this place where you are today, where you're you're not only a practicing physician, you're a real estate investor, you've even syndicated some properties, which means you're actually paying forward your thoughts on financial freedom to other people. And and as, as investors, tell us about yourself.
0: Yeah, so I was uh, born in India. My, my parents came to uh, America to go to graduate school and raised in Kansas City. And like a lot of other uh, young kids, young boys at the time, I was interested in sports. And so my my fascination at that point was uh, baseball. And so I remember playing baseball every, every opportunity I got and I remember trying out for the uh, high school freshman team. And it was very clear that uh, my, you know, my talent wasn't going to support my dreams of uh, feeding myself playing baseball. So I uh, had to trade in my uh, bat and glove for some textbooks and stereotypically like a lot of other brown kids who did good in school. I went into medicine. So I was lucky enough to get into a combined (laughs) program at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. So from there, I went to college and medical school in my hometown. And really, I kind of fell in love with ear, nose and throat, uh, head and neck surgery, because I really liked the fact that uh, with ENT surgery, you can kind of deal with people in the prime age of their lives and try to get them back, rehabilitate them either through medicine or surgery back into doing the things that they love. And it wasn't as depressing as a lot of other fields uh, where you couldn't make as much of an impact, a lot of end of life care where you couldn't make a huge amount of difference in people's lives. So from there, I trained, did five years of residency in the ear, nose and throat, uh, head and neck surgery at the University of Maryland in Baltimore, met my wife, my wife and I moved to uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So I started practicing in New Albany, which is a suburb of uh, of Louisville. And so from there, you know, I like every other young physician starting out, my wife was uh, interested in going to dental school. So if she was starting dental school. She was busy with that. And um, I was busy starting my practice, you know, I had the good fortune of getting busy relatively soon. And so... I'm sure you probably have some other physician audience members, but so that, you know, your your salary kind of almost goes up three or four or five times X from residency to. Absolutely. To am married impressive. to one actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> so, so, you know, that transition. And so what we did was we kind of lived like residents well below our means because, you know, we had a little bit of a bump because, you know, we enjoyed a 10, 20% bump in terms of lifestyle. And save the rest. And so I started thinking, okay, well, how am I going to make this money work for me? I've always had an interest in business and in investing. And so this was our opportunity. And so part of the problem that we had was cash flow was good, but every year, every April, I remember sitting down with our accountants and we were like, oh my gosh, we are just you know, we're working well into the second quarter. The system punishes self-employed and W-2 folks. Absolutely. It's was, it was very, very clear <laughs> that you see this report on uh, ProPublica published that, you know, Warren Buffett and and uh, Jeff Bezos pay like 1% in tax, but are billionaires. And the rest of us who had, uh, you know, work for a living, you know, pay significantly more than that. So it, it was very clear to me that the, the system was rigged against, you know, W-2 and self-employed folks. So, I started looking around because the tax burden was just huge and said, you know, how can I leverage my money to gain some freedom for myself and my family? And so it's, it's really that premise that really led me to real estate. Cause I started uh, looking around and seeing what other professionals were doing. And it was very clear that real estate was, was the vehicle used. So I was hooked. I mean, I, I um, had the good fortune of seeing, you know, 30, 40 people a day in the office and I started asking some questions and soon enough, I mean, I realized there's the a real estate industry, you know, employs a ton of people. And so I developed some good relationships with developers and brokers and other investors. And they saw my passion for the space and kind of really allowed me to, you know, piggyback on how they looked at this business. And so soon enough, I got a real life PhD in commercial real estate and also furthered my business education, went to um, an entrepreneurship MBA program at the University of Louisville. And so so I, that was 15 years ago and been rolling ever since.
1: That is absolutely fantastic. I love, there's so much that you just said there. And and I I share that notion of having been a, a double income, no kid at the time, high mm-hmm. income earners. Yeah. I was an engineer back in the day. So a different white collar profession, Yeah, my wife is in the medical field and you're right. I mean, as you go through Early career to, we'll say, early mid career, right? Yeah. You know, your income jumps quite a bit, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm paying how much in taxes? You know, it's just like, and you you just your bracket just bumps every year. Yeah. You know? So it's like yeah. it it and and you know further, I'd say the system is kind of rigged against all wage earners because at best you're working until mid March to pay the government, and at worst it could be well into April or May. You know, just based on the the effective tax rate. So. I commend you for going after something better. And I think that's a great segue into how to go from trading time for money into something where I don't want to say mailbox money, but you start getting into the mindset of how can I have my money making money for me while I'm not looking at it? How can I, opt? and we're not, this is not tax evasion. This is how can I optimize my tax bill? Like you have the, you have a constitutional right and duty to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then further, you're like, you know, I figured this great thing out. You know, I'm going to go start taking down larger properties with investing friends, if you will. And, 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 sharing the wealth. I mean, how did, how did you go through that transformation and and, and what has it done for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely a transition. You know, things can look very daunting if you're not involved in real estate at all. You can, you can think, wow. Okay. There's a lot of big steps, but what I did was, and I think what most people who have been in this business for a long time is, is just take one step at a time and not look too far ahead, have a strategic goal, but just action. You can, you can read all the books you want. You can listen to all the podcasts, but ultimately it requires action and you need somebody to hold your hand for the first step, just like a a baby learning how to crawl. You know, they, they hold your hand for a while and then pretty soon they're on their own. So really started off very small and not even in commercial and residential with a single family townhome. And then like you alluded to, Chad, you can really scale a whole lot faster in commercial than you can in in residential. And so the barrier to entry is a little bit higher, but the ability to have less time commitments and allow your truly what you said to have your money work for you is much more possible in commercial. So start off with like a single family townhome, and then kind of realized, hey, I can do a little bit better with commercial. I'm in, you know, in medicine, so we knew we knew healthcare, right? So really, kind of start off with a dialysis center, which is a triple net, pretty straightforward center. We worked with Fresenius, and they're really pretty easy to deal with. They kind of give you a check every month, and so kind of use the cash flow from that. As I was starting to develop more and more expertise in real estate, I kind of really talked to a lot of my partners. We were growing medical practice. We've gone from two to 10 to now we're at 14 doctors. And yet we were still renting a lot of our space. And so I was like, guys, this real estate stuff, this this really works. This allows us to create another another retirement income stream. And why not bet on ourselves? You know, We're trying to find other tenants. Why not use ourselves as tenants? I mean, we're betting on ourselves. And so that that took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to convince my partners because um, like a lot of other professionals who are not in real estate, we're like, hey, we're doctors, let us be doctors. Why do we wanna get involved in this real estate? Real estate risky, there's a lot of other guarantees and we're, the bank's gonna require us to guarantee and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But long story short, we started off with one office and my partners were very, very hesitant, but they saw all the benefits, cash flow, and tax benefits and equity growth. And soon enough, you know, now we've, we, we own five of our offices. And so wow. we really tried to use that and we developed a physician-owned hospital along the way and owned the real estate of that. So that's where I was really kind of working with other professionals to, so that we could grow together. And this was all collective, the medical offices and the physician-owned hospital were not mine exclusively. There were, we were all equal partners in this. Um, and then of course I did a lot of real estate on my own as well with senior care and retail and uh, eventually gravitated more towards multi Family. But so every deal I did, I just kind of took the pearls that I learned from that deal, used the cash flow and the pearls to keep going. And essentially, I was starting and progressing my flywheel. I, you, know, you probably have read Good to Great by Jim Collins, and it's one of my favorite book. books. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> book. And so I was really uh, that he talks about in that book about the flywheel. It has sometimes it takes a long time to make those initial movements. But once the flywheel starts going, it you, you can't help yourself, but succeed because you've got all the momentum behind you, but it starts off small.
1: Absolutely. And I love what you said there. And I think you can, you can relate this to any major profession you're getting into, especially becoming an ENT, right? You did not, you did not know everything about being an ear, nose and throat doctor within the first year of, of, of university or medical school, right? It took, it took a lot of books. It took a lot, it took exams and, and, and residency and, you know, practice over time, to get there. And it's the same way. I mean, when you really start to think about the amazing world we live in today, that a people like Dr. Kakulipudi can document in 25 minutes of podcasts, what his experience was and how he did this. Right. And anyone can listen to it, you know, back in, in, let's say our parents or their parents' times, you would have to wait for someone to get so far along in their time that they had time to write a book. And by the time they wrote a book, their methods are probably outdated, you know, and and then what made them wealthy. And so it's such a wonderful time in that you can set your mind, but look, I am going to be the steward of my family's wealth, right? I'm not going to hand it to a fund manager or something like that. I'm going to be the steward of it, or I'm at least going to make decisions on it. And well, you don't know everything about real estate, but, you know, you you figure out what you can bite off. And and in your case, it was, I'll bite off, you know, a triple net or I'll bite off a single family. And then you you learn a little bit more every single time. And now you've gotten to this point where you, you understand how to take money and make money turn into more money rather than you trading time for money.
0: Exactly. Well said. I couldn't have said it better myself, Chad.
1: It's it's, it's so fun thinking about things that way. And now, what yeah. I'd love to get into it. It's, it seems like your passion has become, you know, not only this. Like now, wow, I understand all this stuff, and and I and I've done it, and I see how it impacted our lives and my and my business partners' lives but now it seems like your passion has become leveraging your talents to to show others how to do this you know how have you been able to impact others lives by you know just maybe i don't know if it's just pushing someone over the edge to get them into something like this or like how have you been able to pay it forward and really spread the word of, of what you've learned
0: yeah over the last few years we've kind of done several projects with just a few friends and family just two or three people per deal and i kind of, you know, used my knowledge from before as really served as a mentor for my friends and family, like a lot of other people did for me when I was starting off and they still do. I still have mentors and, and you mentioned coaches and advisors and a team of people around me because, you know, real estate is a team sport. It's really not an individual sport. You can't be the expert in everything. Plus it's just good to bounce ideas off other people and vet them from, from a different perspective. So over the last few years, as I gained more experience, I did a few small deals with friends and family, and they were able to enjoy the, the real benefits of that as they told their friends. And it, 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 soon enough, my part between my partners in the practice and our surgical hospital and a few friends, everyone's like, wow. You know, this is great. I mean, I I wish I would have found out about this earlier on in my life. And they said, why don't, and I wasn't really planning on doing a larger scale syndication, but it kind of was like, okay, you know, why don't you use some of your experience and your network? to help a broader audience. And and there are some people who want to really be involved in real estate and be be very active. And certainly I have some friends and family who do that, and I help them along that path. But I also help friends and family who and colleagues that don't really want to... They don't really have a whole driving passion and a defiant commitment to, to learn all the things that I've learned, but instead want to still enjoy some of the benefits. And so that's really what we've tried to transition to is to provide opportunities for Friends, family, and colleagues who do want to do either one of those approaches. So, if you want to be more of an active investor, hey, let's work on some active deals. There's more time commitment, more potential liability, but there's more potential upside? Or do you want to focus your time on other things, but you still want to enjoy some of the benefits and you want to be more of a passive investor and have somebody else who knows what they're doing, manage your money in a real estate portfolio where you have direct fractional ownership and you can enjoy the benefits of all the pass-through benefits of being a fractional owner, as opposed to owning stock in, a, in, a, in an entity like a REIT or something of that sort.
1: Yeah. What very well said, Basu. And, and I think, you know, groups like yours, you know, groups like ours, we're, we're very few and far between in the fact that we, you know, we, we could be doing this on our own and just keeping quiet and not sharing the wealth and things like that. And, and we, we have, you've done your own deals, we've done our own deals, but I love the abundance mindset that's being shared here. And that like, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people in our lives who we can, we can indirectly or directly share this with and, and watch what it can do in their financial futures whether they're actually helping you steer the car or just riding in the passenger seat.
0: Absolutely. We can yeah. all
1: go along for the ride, you know, and it doesn't have to be all about, you know, just, just returns, returns, returns. It can be about what it does for the people, you know? Yeah. I love D- that.
0: Different strokes for different folks. And some people want to yeah. be actively involved and that's great. Let's work on that together. But some people just want to have a passive approach and you can really be a good steward and help help your network in either whichever path they want or a hybrid of both. And honestly, I think you like me, I I'm active on some deals. I'm passive on others. And so, you know, diversification is, is super important and certainly in your investment portfolio and and, in life in general. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know, I can, I can definitely tell that you're also a student of master platinum coach Trevor McGregor, because I I just, I I keep hearing things like different strokes for different folks and things like that. (laughs) He and I are laughing about this because we both hear it all the time. So that's fantastic. (laughs) Well, this has been awesome, Dr. Kakarlapudi. What I'd love to do, you know, this, this podcast is sponsored by Quattro Capital. And in true play on words, I'm going to go into the Quattro Trio questions here at the end. What I'd love to hear is everyone has a superpower in their business or profession, and we love to know what that is. In your view, what is that? What is your superpower, Basu?
0: I tend to be really good at analyzing risk like anything else in life, you know, you think about it, it's everything has some level of risk and some level of reward. And there's a lot of numerical assessments that you can make, and that's important, but there's also a lot of intuition that goes into how you assess risk. And so I, you know, the old adage, right, you try to find that asymmetric risk reward opportunities. And so And this is one of the things I really use with my partners, you know, when we were trying to develop our first medical office, it's like, guys, what is the risk of this? I mean, there, people were like, oh, what happens if we don't, we cease to exist as a practice? What happens if we get bought out by a hospital system? And what are the rewards of investing in real estate? So I was really able to show my partners, hey, you know, people are always going to need healthcare and- there's only 240 or 50 ENTs that come out every year. So we are supply constrained. And from a demand perspective, I don't think demand for ENT services is going anywhere, especially in the Ohio Valley area. And so no matter what form of practice we are in as a private practice or employed by somebody else, or, there's always going to be a need for medical space. And even with you know the potential rise of telehealth and everything else, there's always going to be a need for some physical contact and, and patients need a place to go. And so why not invest in ourselves? And so, you know, I was able to show my partners, hey, the risk of our venture is pretty low and the reward is significantly much higher. So along the same lines in in other aspects of real estate, and that's why I really kind of gravitated towards multifamily, because you've done all the research too, that you, you see that, you know, multifamily isn't always the highest return in commercial real estate but it's the most, it's the best risk adjusted returns. So for the finance gurus out there, this is basically the sharp ratio. So I try to look internally for and analyze risk that is much less than the presumed reward.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. And I hear you on the ENT demand because had, had you known me in a previous life, I would have been one of your biggest customers. I have (laughs) a lot of ENT stuff going on. So (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic. Yes. Well, I guess to go beyond this the second question is you know we we've heard a lot about why you're awesome but people learn a lot from other people's mistakes so what is your biggest what you would consider your biggest failure and it could be in life or business right or real estate what do you think your biggest failure to date is and what did it teach you
0: well, the biggest failure when I was a kid, as I mentioned, I, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. So I immediately failed at that even in high school. So that was my early on failure. Later on in life, as I was looking at different business opportunities, I started a small network of ENTs to try to purchase hearing aids from manufacturers. And it was essentially like a group purchasing organization, or GPO where we would pull a group of ENTs together and try to purchase hearing aids from different vendors for a, a discount. And unfortunately, it just didn't, didn't work. The, the market share that ENTs had in the whole hearing aid space was relatively small. So the hearing aid players were like, uh, do we really want to deal with you? And then come to find out, there's a lot of vertical integration in the hearing aid industry and so a lot of the manufacturers have their own retail outlets and so they're not really incentivized to work with physicians. they have their own real estate uh, or uh, I'm sorry their own uh, retail affiliations and so at the end of the day I was having a hard time convincing physicians because we weren't able to get enough of a, a discount to, to make a make a difference and on the flip side the manufacturers weren't super interested in working with me. so it was a great concept, but I really learned hey you've got to provide. Value and you have to know a little bit about each uh, partner's business model, and are you really providing value to their business model? And if you're not, it's going to be an uphill battle. And and so, fortunately, I didn't lose a lot of money. It was I just basically had a few setup costs, but I lost a lot of time. But I learned a lot along the way. So,
1: yeah, the lesson there is value and leverage, right? Yeah. You either have value or you have leverage. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> to get what you want. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, last question, Vasu. You know, one of the Quattro four pillars is philanthropy. We are very passionate about it. What philanthropies do you or are you currently supporting, and and what can we have our clients and and listeners support on your behalf?
0: Yeah, I mean, my wife and I uh, are very big into supporting children. You know, we were both blessed to be uh, parents who loved us and cared for us, and, and brought us up and gave us all the tools to be able to succeed. And and the the harsh reality is that not every child born in America or, or across the world is is given those kinds of rights. And so, uh, most of our charitable work is is with institutions and programs that help. Folks, so in town, there's um, Home of the Innocents in Louisville that kind of takes it's a convalescent center for for underprivileged kids, and we have several orphanages that we support in, in um, India and other third world countries that help facilitate adoption and schools also for underprivileged kids through uh, the Upna Foundation that helps uh, underprivileged kids get a more fair shake on life, at least or at least the opportunities to be able to succeed. You know, I love that,
1: That that's, that's a cause that is near and dear to Quattro's heart, you know, and just like you said, you know, kids can't help the hand that they're dealt, you know, many adults have played a hand and they've gotten where they are, which they also need help at times, but kids just can't help what they're born into sometimes and, and giving a, a hand up, you know, not a hand out, but a hand up yeah. and this really position. even even if it's just a slight mindset change in one of those kids that propagates, you know, I, I highly respect that. Basu. It's fantastic. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic episode. Thank you for coming on. Should the listeners want to reach out and get in touch with you? How can they find you?
0: Yeah. Our, our website is aptaproperties, A-P-T-A properties, A-P-T-A, properties uh, plural.com. And uh, LinkedIn page is just uh, Vasu MD on LinkedIn.
1: All right, and don't worry about trying to spell that, y'all. It will be in the show notes. I <laughs> it's promise. It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful, <laughs> It will be in the show notes. I hear you. All right. Well, real estate runway listeners, this has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Over and out. How is your company managing your capital raising process? Syndication Pro is the number one solution to help real estate syndicators and fund managers automate fundraising, investor relations, and reporting. Syndication Pro is a solution that is trusted by hundreds of firms, large and small, with billions being managed within the platform. Here at Quattro Capital, we have seen a drastic improvement in our ability to provide better customer support to our investors, a co-sponsor module to our alliance partners when partnering on new acquisitions, ACH distributions, an sec compliance CRM, and even the ability to take soft reservations on upcoming projects. Look for the link in the show notes to try Syndication Pro risk-free for seven days.
0: We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequatroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.